Hello and welcome to Shambles, a brand new podcast where I interview comedians. My name's Harry Deansway, I'm not going to lie to you, my career's in the toilet. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm doing this. I'm trying to raise my profile and really finally make it in showbiz. So I'm using all my contacts in the comedy industry to try and reach that goal. On today's show, I have the wonderful Mr. Eddie Peppertone all the way from LA via Brooklyn. This is a truly wonderful comedian who is poetic, angry, and really plays with the form of stand-up comedy in a very modern way. It's taken him a few years to get successful, but he's finally there. And I caught up with him to find out about some of his influences, how he works, and what makes him so goddamn angry. So, let's meet him. Welcome, Eddie Peppertone. Hello, thank you for having me, Harry. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, so, let's start at the beginning. Of, uh, <laughs> well, I was born a poor, very poor, no. <laughs> um, well, do you remember your first gig? Wow, my first gig. Yes, I do. My friends in Staten Island, which is a miserable little borough of New York City. They actually call it the Forgotten Borough. My friends in Staten Island were running a poetry series. And if there's one thing that, that if there's one thing that poets need, it's humor. So um, they said, you know, they I, I, they knew I was a funny guy, but I had never really performed publicly. And they were like, will you do uh, some stand-up? And I was so excited, and it was my first gig. It was in a house, a private house. And I remember doing material about sperm cells committing suicide and brain cells. I was into cells, like cellular. <laughs> I was into the microscopic nature of reality. But I was doing things like a brain cell, uh, you know, my brain cells committing suicide, trying to do um, abstract math problems. And they was, it was like a precursor to how, what I do now because I was like, I can't, I can't concentrate on doing mathematical problems when there's so emotion, so much emotional turmoil in my life. And they would jump into the medulla oblongata. I can't believe I still remember it. Wow. And so what were you doing at the time? Did you finish college or did you go to college? I did go to college and I dropped out. Um, I kind of had a nervous breakdown for real in college. Um, I just couldn't handle studying anything uh, because I kind of I came from a crazy uh, dysfunctional family and uh, when I went to cotton so when I got out of high school I just wasn't ready to like study I, I, I just I needed to just like perform you know so I, I, I went to college for about uh, I would say about two and a half three years I can't believe I never got a degree you know I'm such a failure in that God damn it, Harry! Why did you bring it up? I am so sorry, folks. But Harry brought this up. But anyway, um, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I, I dropped out and I started taking acting lessons in Manhattan. Like, I started as an actor. Mm -hmm. And then I would do, like, scenes from Harold Pinter or Death of a Salesman. And people would laugh. Instead of like going, oh my god, this is very dramatic. They'd be like, and I knew, you know, when you're doing something from Pinter, like I would walk in and go, so, 
you're my lover. And then people would just crack up. I bet I could do Pinter now better, you know, because I've been uh, through more trouble in my life. <laughs> people laughing at you, is that something you'd noticed before? before yes! That? Yeah, is that a sort of when did you first notice that happening? I was an infant. Yeah. No, and my parents were like, oh, we made this? Oh. No, I started, I started, you know, again, like a lot of comedians, I think, uh, my survival mechanism in my household that I grew up in, my dad was a Sicilian, kind of his rage was operatic. It was kind of an unhappy uh, household. Mm. And the way I survived was to just be very funny, you know. Um, I was doing sets for my parents when I start about eight years old, you know what I mean? Like, so as I say, that was happening at home, but was anything like was there much drama outside of home, or was it all? Did it all sort of take place at home? Was there much drama? Yeah. Like, uh, well, on Broadway, Death of a Salesman was playing. No. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> classic. I don't know why. That's the only play I can think of in my life. Is Death of a? I studied theater for a while. Uh, no, it was mostly in, in the home, but you know, uh, going to school was a little, it was crazy, you know, being a kid and just being in school. And then I just started finding out, I, I really made my friends laugh. Um, I, I was around, I would say around 10, 11. I really just started making the people I, I hung out with, and, you know, really laugh. And I was like, wow, um, this is just what I do. And I've, and so I've always been, um, I've always been a comedian. You know what I mean? Like, like people say, why'd you get into comedy or whatever? And it, it, you know, it really is that cliche of like, I didn't choose comedy. Comedy chose me. Mm. You know what I mean? I love saying lines like that. <laughs> um, I didn't choose comedy. Comedy chose me. That's the uh, bit dramatic. So that would be funny, actually, because I'm doing a three-week run now, not yeah. to jump ahead at the Soho. But that would be funny to go to the audience. Look. I didn't choose comedy. Comedy chose me. I don't want to be here at the Soho. I've been chosen. You know the chosen people? <laughs> I'm going to do that tonight. If I, if I remember. I don't remember half the stuff I say I'm going to do. Do you, not write, do you write stuff down? Like, where, where, when you Leave get... me alone, Harry. No. Uh, yeah, I do. I do, but, but not as much as I should. My laziness at this point has taken on proportions of what is the laziest animal? I guess a sloth because it has the word sloth in it. But no, I, I, mean, I can be pretty lazy with that. You know, I always say to myself, I'll remember it. And, you know, classic. I don't even know what city I'm in right now. London. London, thank yeah. you. Um, so like the I was in Niger. Um, Niger. From, <laughs> from what I'd uh, be... Everybody's turned off the show at home. Like, <laughs> what the... We're laughing, they're like, no more. Margaret, turn it off! <laughs> Betty, come on. Let's go down in the tube and just ride the tube again. I love just riding the tube at night. I'd rather not watch Dean's Way's podcast. <laughs> He's got some idiot from the States. Fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Anyone's watching it? No, I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> the laughing at, at you, like, and, or, uh, and being funny, like, because when I, from the research I did, like, I, I thought it was going to be like a lot of laughing at, at you, if you know what I mean. But what I found amazing was it's like laughing with you. So like, I want to know, like, at what point did you get to where you were able to analyse what was 
funny about you and then put that across in a show. You know what? I think that took me... I mean, I was extinctually doing it mm -hmm. uh, when I first started, um, but I didn't know what I was doing. It took me many years mm -hmm. uh, to overcome my anxiety with just performing solo. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it takes great courage to be a stand-up to just put yourself out there. You know, to put yourself out there. And the, the funniest thing, you know, is when you really can expose how flawed a person you are, you know, without feeling, because it's a very vulnerable thing to do, but without feeling completely like, oh my God, I shouldn't have talked about that or, you know, but I find that, you know, it's been only, I think the last, like, um, I don't know. I don't know how long, but like five years, maybe, and I'm 54, like five, last five or ten years where I can really put myself on stage and just know that it's me being on stage and I can really, you know, go for it. Yeah. And just kind of trust that I'm funny, even though I still have nights where I'm like, I don't think I'm funny. You know, I think I'm tragic. You know what I mean? But the, that level of self-analysis, so obviously you've analysed yourself for years and, and years, when did that breakthrough come where you were able to put it onto stage and into the context where you've, you've got it now, would you say? Um, I would say the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason. You know, I'm a late bloomer. I also, when I first started uh, doing stand-up, um, I did it for like about, I think it was something like, Five years, and then I found it. I found it too frightening, and I started doing improv. Like I had to perform with other people. Mm -hmm. I was doing plays. I was doing improv. I was just doing character shows. Like now, I just feel like I kind of have found myself. You know. And uh, what? When did like proper success as a performer start for you? Would you say? Uh, I'm still waiting. No. Um, I, I would say uh, it, that also. I would say. I would say the last maybe ten years. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe a little more where I've started working and tell. I always kind of worked in TV, like got little parts. I was always, you know, uh, accepted into the comedy world. But I feel like in the last ten years, I've started to build it. And so, what what were you doing before that ten years? What sort of stuff were you doing? To I get would by and... to get by to make money. Yeah. I did crazy jobs. I, uh, God, for like four years. I always I did, and I'm not a construction type of guy, but I was. I had this crazy job where I was sanding floors you know, with high-powered machinery and installing them, you know. I would just smoke weed, you know, pot all day and, and install floors and sand them and then varnish them. It, it was horrible. And then go to acting classes in Manhattan, yeah. in New York, you know, with, covered in dust. Not kidding. Are we angry? It'd be like, uh, huh? I was going to say, were you angry about like, not having made it? Did you you know what? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize... Um, how angry I was. Yeah. Anger or dissatisfaction, whatever you want to call it, kind of fuels uh, what I do. It's a, that's a tricky thing because, you know, you want to bring uh, joy and, and lightness and all this, but I, I kind of bring, I kind of bring, <laughs> I kind of bring, you know, a real intensity to it, but I try to make, I try to make my rage absurd. Like, I try to take my rage and bring it to cartoonish levels, you know, kind of making fun of uh, just how anger kind of doesn't get you anywhere. And like, has uh, in recent years, have you been able to 
do more anger on stage than off stage, and has that probably benefited you a bit more, would you say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God, yeah. yeah. What were some of the sort of things you'd get angry at? Like, in, like I bet it was quite funny in, like, you know, in, in, in hindsight, like in real life, what you get angry at in your, in your real life. Oh, in my real life? Yeah, oh my God, I was always angry at ex-girlfriends, like furious. Oh, I, I was furious at my dad. For, for many years, yeah. and now I'm like, okay, you know, look, he's just another person. But I was furious at, you know, my father for trying trying to control me as a young guy. He wanted me to be a dentist, okay, which was insane, yeah, or a doctor. And uh, you know, I was trying to do what he wanted for so many years of my life, and I was crazy angry at that. Now I'm just like, you know, that's kind of funny. Yeah, because there's a bit in the documentary uh, oh, yeah. about Eddie's. Got a documentary? Uh, yes, it's called. I want to plug that. Yeah. Uh, the documentary about me is coming out in the UK this week, um, and it's called The Bitter Buddha, and it'll be out here digitally. You know, iTunes and and some other outlets um, digitally. But it's been really good for me. The the documentary. But tell them about. Yeah. So dad. there's a bit where he's like, uh, I think you go back to your home in uh, Staten Island, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I tried to tell him when he was a, a kid that you know, there was no root in showbiz like that and that's before oh, I, won't, right. I won't ruin what happened but he, he says that that bit to you where like so I can imagine that conversation you know oh he's, yeah he's like, that was devastating yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. what 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 was his business what was his okay. he was a uh, high school teacher oh cool yeah he, he he was a history teacher you know yeah because I got uh, from seeing your act I think you like to read am I right or yeah yeah I yeah. do I do like to read I can see you're quite because uh, uh, quite well studied and you, what what's your influences in that in that sense like who are, who are like authors who've like influenced oh you? you know who I really got into I don't know if this is a bad thing or not but Nietzsche okay so philosophy. <laughs> and I think I think I did because if you read Nietzsche he's so angry <laughs> and I totally related uh, you know what? how angry he was. And he ended up, you know, talk, talking to a horse, didn't he? That was like, he ended up going was he mad. syphilitic? And, yeah, yeah, and he ended up mad. Why are, why are all the great philosophers wind up syphilitic? <laughs> Imagine they all do, like, Socrates, syphilitic, uh, Spinoza, definitely syphilitic. <laughs> yeah, because I think... Uh, did he? Did he wind up... Yeah, completely, completely mad. mad, yeah, completely mad. Yeah. Well, you know, you know... I have realized too that you can't, you have to balance, you can't live in the mind. Like, that's kind of an oxymoron, like, because we do live up there, but you have to kind of, you know, try to not think so much. Like, my happiest days are when I can just get out of the ridiculous thinking patterns that just go in a loop, like out of your failure, out of your failure, look at this, where the hell are you, where the hell are you, where the hell are you, what the hell are you doing, where are you reading glasses, what the hell, what are, you know, all that nonsense, it's when you can escape the mind, you know, which is why I started meditating, okay. and which is why I have the nickname, uh, the bitter Buddha, because I meditate, yet I am still uh, pretty angry. So, hence the bitter Buddha. But, so, because, like, you know, you reminded me of, uh, I definitely saw elements of, like, a Bukowski. Someone like said a, that to yeah. me recently, too. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I liked that. No? <laughs> well, he, he was, uh, he was a major alcoholic. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But I thought that you, you say you're blue collar. Yeah. Bit, oh, and he was, like, sort of a poet of the people. True, you know what I mean? true. So, so I do like that, actually. I sort yeah. of saw 
And a bit Harvey Pico as well. Do you know him? Someone told me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've gotten that too. Harvey Pico. I gotta. I have to. I, I've read Bukowski, and I like. I like a lot of it. Some I'm like, ah. Eh. Yeah, but um, Picar, I I saw the movie about him. Mm -hmm. Was it American Hero? Yeah, American Splendor. American Splendor, right? Uh, buddy of mine, Judah Friedlander, was in that. Oh yeah, cool. Um, yeah, he's really good in that. But um, uh, Picar was uh, he did graphic novels? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I gotta, I have to check him out more. Yeah, because I've been told, I've been gotten that. And I'm like, what? And then the other similarity, I mean, obviously you're both completely unique, but another similarity is he was like uh, always on Letterman. And you've got this bit where I'm on Conan. Yeah, you're on Conan. Like, and I have to look up. Can you look up Picar? Can I look up Picar on oh, yeah, uh, yeah, YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, his Letterman appearances, but he was like, he got like the network got rid of him basically because he was too like angry and he, he would come on and do like political protests about the network and stuff like that. Like, you see, it. yeah, he, re he really like, see. That's the direction yeah. I like to go into, but I realize the networks are they're just so like, no, we can't do that you yeah, know yeah, what I yeah. mean and it, it angers me because I just feel like you know I've always had uh, uh, I, I, I've always been angry at authority you know what I mean and uh, I want to express it you know and the comedian wants to express it to a big audience and the biggest audience is television yeah but you have to te you know if you're going to be on like Picard got kicked off yeah for doing for like taking it to that level I want to check that out level. though yeah it's on YouTube so like the activism side of your mm -hmm. act and uh does that do you take that outside of your act at all? Does what the the actors activism and like anti corporations yeah. mm -hmm. that sort of stuff is that something that you do outside of your act like um, go to yeah. protests and stuff? Like that? I do. You yeah. know when the Occupy movement yeah. was happening in the states, I went there uh, in New York. You know, <laughs> and uh, I went there in L.A. But it never really grew big, and there's always this fear thing in the state of the of the police it's like holy shit you know in LA it's very wild there's he police helicopters in the sky and you know so I'm, I'm always like I'm into uh, that but I always there's always a part of me too that's like well maybe we should just have a skinny latte today and just hang out in a coffee shop <laughs> instead of yeah more in because I'm 54 I feel like I'm a little too old to go to jail okay you know jail isn't as comfortable as uh, how do you think my you do apartment not well I'd be the guy they just pass around, like like a cigarette. <laughs> Comedy chose me. You understand me? I don't know who you people are who watch this guy. But, anyway. <laughs> I often do that too, like I'll be in the middle of saying things and I just kind of, uh, I just kind of want to stare at, I do that in the crowd too, like sometimes I'll be yelling at the crowd and going, don't you people Look at me! <laughs> Even though I'm the stand-up. Don't look at me! And then I just break out of it. Like these bursts of uh, craziness. Yeah. So like the improvisation in your act was also yeah. like amazing. What percentage would you say of your act is like, improvised? Um, when I'm really having fun, I would say it can be as much as 60-70% when I'm really having fun, 80%. You know, when I'm really like, okay, I'm doing my show, I have to do, you know, and then it may be only, you know, 20, 30, whatever. Yeah. But when I'm really comfy and having fun, I love to improvise all over the place. I feel like, you know, my material, like my set list is there, um, and I feel like that's a starting point, you know. And do you think your acting and improv training, like, geared you up 
to be better at that. Yeah, I think especially, uh, yes, um, for sure. Uh, because when I first started improvisation, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is really scary. But now I love it, you know? Um, and acting, definitely, you know, you know, because stand-up, it's theatrical. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I really admire the comedians who can just really, um, you know, speak their stuff very well. But mine is more theatrical. And you know. like I think, in order to improvise it uh, at its best, I think you need to be inspired by like stuff that goes on. So where do you get your inspiration from in day to day life? Would you say, like, uh, both to, sort of culturally and also like in stuff that, that goes on? Yeah, um, I think that's. I think it's just living, like just being in cities, and like it's interesting because I live in Los Angeles yeah. now. And to me, New York, where I'm from, I, I live in LA now about 11 years, and it's a much more vibrant city, and London is really cool. This is my first time in London, for real, and it's a very vibrant city, and there's so much going on, there's so much to see, there's so much to get inspired by, where LA, it's a little more difficult, because it isn't like a big walking city, it's, you're in the freaking car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't feel as inspired, and you kind of have to, get your inspiration from within and then the media you know like the internet and checking out stuff what the hell is going on in the world but it isn't as immediate um so, so what do you do do you watch a lot of films do you find i love you, film. the internet or, or reading like i'm trying to get at like sort of but yeah like um yeah i i i do i do love i love films and uh i don't know what my biggest influence is but uh Certain authors inspire me. My favorite author has always been uh, Henry Miller. Okay. Do you know Henry Miller? Is he's it, from Brooklyn. No, that's Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller. Yeah, you're thinking Death Sorry. of the Salesman. Yeah, that's because of Death of the Salesman. Salem Witch play. Trials. Yeah. The Crucible, that was called. But yeah. no, Henry Miller wrote, he got famous for Tropic of Capricorn and Tropic of Cancer because they had a lot of sex in them, but he's a brilliant, brilliant uh, writer and he's from Brooklyn. Yeah. And I'm from Brooklyn. You know, we I was born in Brooklyn, then we moved to Staten Island because my dad thought that was the country. <laughs> and it had a few trees. <laughs> but um uh we uh Henry Miller talks about how Brooklyn is a shithole and I'm gonna get out of Brooklyn and he wound up living in Paris. Mm -hmm. And I and then he came back to the States but uh He's always been a big influence to me because his writings uh, were all about overcoming uh, tremendous adversity. Like he went through so much, so I was related to that. You know, and always about getting out of Brooklyn and that. Did kind he of have thing. loads of wives? Uh, he had a. I think he had two or three. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I saw a documentary. About There's him a recently. movie about him recently. Yeah, on Sky Arts or something like that. Uh, did he have a Japanese wife or something like that? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. So. I think I saw about ten minutes of it. Anais Nin, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they were married, but they had an affair. But really, sort of. And he lived quite a long time, right? I think. Or? Yeah. Yeah. He lived pretty old, like eighty, something like that. Um, yeah. So you relate to overcoming adversity. And what, yeah. What What are some of your adversities? Well, I just think you know, um, coming from like lower middle class roots, you know, um, you know, like I never had any kind of like my. My adversity kind of family stuff. My mom um, was diagnosed manic depressive or bipolar disorder, mm -hmm. and she went in and out of uh, institutions, hospitals when I was a little kid. So that kind of adversity, like just kind of overcoming a household that wasn't as, 
you know, loving as it could be. And, and, and I never got a lot of encouragement to go into show business. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? My dad was like, you, no way. No fucking way. Not fucking show business. You know what I mean? And I mean, I imagine early on as well, there wasn't much encouragement from the audience, right? Stand-up is a difficult process, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I admire the guys, uh, or envious of the guys who, who can do it really, and women, who can do it really quickly, out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand that. To me, it takes a like, long time. I think, like, wait, I, I haven't seen, like, your early stuff from 20 years ago, but definitely from where you're at now, it's like you're an amazing performer. So I'm yeah, just wondering you. what it was like... 20 years yeah, ago. it was just a lot more uh, unsure of itself and kind of all over the place, you know. And but I suppose you met a lot of people like who are now as well, sort of doing quite well. So what was it like, yeah. sort of in those in those days? What sort of people were you sort of gigging with who are now also? Well, you know, I loved it. Yeah, I yeah. loved it because it's like being a soldier. I would imagine I've mm -hmm. never been a soldier, but I'd imagine it's like the camaraderie. The yeah. camaraderie because I've heard many stand-ups talk about uh, stand-up. It's like going to war. You know what I mean? Like the audience, and this is really kind of fucked up. But the audience is the enemy, <laughs> and it's like you're going to war. Like, all right, how are they tonight? Yeah, not very good. I'm going in there. Cover me. <laughs> but you get to be really. Um, there's a bond. Yeah. So who are you in the trenches with? Who was I in yeah. the trenches with? Uh, just a lot of you know. A, a, a lot of, you know, some people I've stayed in touch with, some people, um, you know, I've lost touch with, but a bunch of New York guys and and women, you know. And then now I've got the new group in L.A., you know. Your new friends. Yeah, yeah. And um, what about acting? You know what? I, um, I love to act, and uh, I want to do more television where uh, I'm, I'm doing drama. You know, because I love drama. Because you know, you know, they say that comedy is like a razor thin line, but like the the line between tragedy and comedy is like razor thin, and I really think that's true. You know, and I think comedy is just all about you know overcoming that lurking tragedy. You know what I mean? So I I, I and and I've trained as an actor, so I, I would like to do more dramatic stuff, and hopefully because of the exposure of the doc about me, the bitter Buddha, you know, people will see, you know, more for me and I'll get a chance to do uh, more drama. But I'm, I've, I've actually, and you know, I, I mentioned Pinter, and, and I used to do like uh, scenes from Pinter, like The Lover and Homecoming and stuff. And I, I would love to do a play, mm. you know? I'd love to do a What's play. What's your dream part, you I say, in a play? Um, what you got a favorite play? I don't know. Right. Maybe at this point, Willie Loman. <laughs> yeah, you'd be great. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. I'd love, to, I'd love to see that. Yeah, but I love. I also love great comedy plays too. Like, uh, uh, I like a guy named Christopher Durang. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know Durang. No. Um, uh, he does really funny stuff. Uh, I used to do some David Mamet. I did Glenn Gary, Glenn. Ray. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I just love doing all that stuff. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You yeah. the Jack Lemmon. Like, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, I just need a lead. I need a lead. Just please. Why are you laughing? <laughs> um, all right, quickly as well. I wanted to speak about like because uh, obviously the comedy's overtaken the acting. Am I right? Yeah. Saying that. So, mm -hmm. uh, what, when did that happen? Did the like 
Uh, well, well, like I said, you know, people were laughing yeah. when I was doing drama. So uh, that happened. That happened kind of pre pretty early. Okay. You know what I mean? But I've always, I, I, I've still done some dramatic stuff. But um, I would say that happened pretty early on. You know, where the com where comedy obviously was my focus. But I would say in the last fifteen years, I really have kind of dedicated myself with focus to really being a comedian where I think before that I always knew I was a comedian but I think I had a lot of personal doubt mm. about it and the business was so hard that it was difficult for me to stay like laser focused and now I'm really now I know you know that I really this is what I do what were you going to say? I was going to say there was that particular moment where you got that strength where you went okay I can do this do you remember? You know, you know. I don't think it's a moment. No? It's, it's. I really think. You ask me. It's all about perseverance. Yeah. And then you persevere. You persevere. You persevere. And then you're like, oh wow, you know, I, I kind of am at a certain place that I didn't, you know, like in spite of my disbelief. Yeah. You know, because I've always battled my the, my demons are you know, lack of self-confidence, self-loathing, all of that stuff, you know, and finally, if you persevere through that, you're like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm a comedian. And do you feel like you've got that under more control as you've become a You know, comedian? I do, but I have bouts of really? tremendous self-doubt. Like, for instance, you know, I'm doing the run here yeah. at the Soho, and it's been great, and the Soho Theater is great, and the audiences in London are great, you know, tonight is night three, uh, and I did Edinburgh last yeah. year, and I had really success. And I've, I now I've done Oslo. I did, I did a festival. I, I, I've done Dublin. But there are still tremendous moments for me of, um, of, of just doubt, fear. I don't know what that is. Like I read somewhere that a lot of artists think they're imposters. Okay. That's like a thing that a lot of artists go through. They think they're frauds. You know, and I feel that sometimes. Like I'm not it. Like, and I don't know, you know, why I can still feel that. But I think because you know, being a, 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 any kind of artist is very ethereal. It's very, it's very kind of like you know, the muses. You know, you were talking about what inspires you. You know, the muses living as an artist. It's it's very kind of intangible sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not in control. Like your best ideas, I find you can sit down at a computer, try and write something, but the best yeah. stuff strikes right you like lightning. Yeah, and then a lot of times too, I'm like, who am I? Like here, here's the thing that always comes up for me: who am I to think that I can be an artist when my parents? had such a shitty life and people have to just work in shitty jobs and the world is shitty. Who am I to think I am above it? You know what I mean? Which is is a crazy way of thinking because I think the real artist isn't above it. He's just someone who speaks, you know, for it. This is probably going to seem really pretentious, all this shit. Anyway, what I think an artist is, and believe me, being an artist isn't easy. Sitting, drinking coffee, Worrying about my art, <laughs> while you, the masses, toil. I am doing the real toiling for you. Well, I. <laughs> Jackie Sider is a massive commitment. My, my arm fell asleep. Did it? I'm so neurotic. I'm like, oh my god, my arm fell asleep. 
<laughs> yeah, just leaning. Oh my god. Um, it is hard though to dedicate your life to being an artist. Yeah, I think so. You know what I've been suffering? When I travel overseas, you know what the worst thing for me is? I have insomnia. Oh no. And it's like, it's like I thought I had my schedule, because jet lag and stuff, and I can get into this pattern of a song. And I thought, you know, I had it beat, but last night, I, 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 I just was up to like, uh, I think it was about five or six in the oh, morning. Blimey. Well, you've got like, jet lag as well, I guess. I guess so. But that's a difficult thing, and then, and then the demons come big time. You know what I mean? All right, should we move on to the quick fire? Oh yeah, quick fire, yeah. Welcome to the quick fire section. Mm. Uh, what makes what makes you laugh? Uh, what makes me laugh? Silly stuff makes me laugh. Um, to what? be to be British about it, yeah. Uh, Douglas Adams makes me laugh. Stuff that that is uh, very dark in its roots, but uh, then then you know, like uh, I also recently saw a guy named Paul Foot. Oh yeah, and he's so absurd. Monty Python makes me laugh. Um, uh, I don't know. Tragedy makes me laugh. Tragedy, too. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you laugh? Are you a big laugher? I am a big laugher. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, who don't you get co comedy wise? Is there someone who like I just I don't get it. Who don't I get? Yeah. Is there anyone out there who like I don't get it? Ah. Uh, like doing really well, and you're like I don't get it. Aziz Ansari. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Jeff Dunham. The world's most successful comedian, apparently. Yeah, yeah. No, don't get it. Yeah. Um, Richard Pryor, Bill Hicks, or Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, uh, definitely, um, in, I'll give you the order of oh. that one. Uh, Pryor, Hicks, and then way below that would be Seinfeld. <laughs> but pick one would be Richard Pryor. I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the best gig you've ever done? Ooh, best gig I've ever done? Um, well, I think I think the show I felt most satisfied at was in Oslo, believe it or not. Okay. During something called the Crap Comedy Festival in January, I had a show in Oslo, where it felt really good. So Scandinavian. That's you believe audience. it? Yeah. I was really nervous about that too. I was like, how are they going to get me? Yeah, apparently the gigs over there are amazing. Yeah. I've had like really good things from people. Uh, what's the worst gig you've ever done? Wow, the worst gig I've ever done. Um, Oof. Probably some pub or bar in uh, you know in the suburbs in New York where people were just looking at me. I'm up there screaming, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Is and you know, early in my career, when I'm like, "This is." Funny. Have you ever had anyone like remonstrate with you either on stage or off stage? And yeah. Like really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You mean being angry at me from yeah. the audience? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, usually drunk. People who are drunk, you know, and then I'll get angry at them for ruining my show. And uh, it usually gets a little nasty, you know. Um, but then I run away after the show. I jump in my car. You're off. I'm off. Uh, funniest person, you know, who doesn't work in comedy? Oh, wow, that's a good one. Uh, funniest person I know who doesn't work in comedy. Uh, I guess, God, that's a good question. Um, who would that be? Well, you know, just, you know, you know, my mates, the, yeah. you know, my, my friends that I hang out with, the, uh, this guy, Barry Murphy, he, he's just my friend and he's, uh, he, uh, he was a bartender and for years and now he, he, he does uh, 
uh, like construction so funny just just hilarious guy like just the way he he deals with life is just hilarious uh, cool man and if you weren't a comedian what would you be doing do you think I think I would be a uh, stripper a male <laughs> stripper I think you make a lot of money from that I don't know I would like to be uh, if I wasn't a comedian a professor okay you know I'd still be in front of people you know expounding on things something like that teacher professor and finally, what's your favorite comedy club to play? Uh, right now it's the Soho Theatre in London. <laughs> it's a good room. It is really a great room. Um, that, that one right now, I really, really like it. Yeah. You know? Uh, in, in, in the States, um, I love... Uh, I, 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 there's the punchline in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. is great. Um, I've done a couple of places that are really nice over there. Awesome. All right, so uh, we can see it at the Soho Theatre from the uh, 3rd of May, what, in the no, 6th of May, May which is to the 25th. So, and also, uh, Bitter Buddha will be available on iTunes, I imagine. Yeah, Bitter Buddha, uh, the documentary about me, will be available on iTunes uh, this coming week. And uh, you're on Twitter, so look. I'm on Twitter, at Eddie Pepitone. I have a podcast with three other people called The Long Shot. Mm -hmm. um, that's about it. Come like my Facebook fan page if you'd like. Yeah, and we'll uh, put all these links up as yeah. we go along. My website is eddiepepitone.com. Awesome. Thanks for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Harry. Nice one. Yeah. Cool. Bye, everybody. <laughs>